Uh, you know, I just there's just something about being out in the fire. I love to go camping. I love to just hang out and roast up a marshmallow. And uh, by the way, is your head made of marshmallows? Just think about it for a second. You know, Martin Luther once said that if your head is made of butter, you shouldn't sit too close to the fire. And, uh, you know, as you think about that, while I'm roasting this marshmallow, if your head is if your head is made of marshmallows, you probably shouldn't get too close to the fire either. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. The, um, you know... Funny thing about fire is the closer we get to the fire, the hotter the fire seems to feel to us. Even though in reality the fire remains at the same temperature. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> the fire remains at the same temperature, but the closer you get to it, oh yeah, it just gets hot and it'll start melting stuff. So, you know, if your head's made of marshmallows, you shouldn't sit too close to the fire. Hmm. Oh, good. I'd make you one, but I only have three. <laughs> it's going to be a long sermon. I might get a little hungry. I have to make another one. Thing is, heat affects us. Is there a bottle of water? Where, oh, man, fancy that. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Well, I just had a marshmallow, and now I'm going to preach my sermon. Well, don't got... you know you're not supposed to leave a fire unattended? Well, <laughs> seriously? Ooh, Smokey the Bear. You know, only you can prevent fire <laughs> There's a point. The closer we are to temptation, the more it influences us. Just like a fire. The temperature of the fire doesn't really change. Yeah, it'll get a few degrees hotter, a few degrees cooler, depending on the amount of fuel that's on the fire. But the closer we get to temptation, the more it influences us. And no one knows that better than Satan. And he's the father of lies. I need to move this chair. I'm going to fall over it. Um, you know, here, here's the thing. He's right. Only you can prevent forest fires. <clears throat> Today, you're going to hear a lot of comparisons like that about temptation and how we can prevent it. Today, you're going to see really that when it comes right down to it, in our times of temptation, just like in times of a forest fire, we are usually the root source of our own temptation. As we get into this, I want you to take that rock and just hold on to it. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today. Lord, there's, there's a good chance today that things could get real ugly inside each one of us. Uh, we're just going to take a harsh look at what tempts us, what separates us from you. So I pray that that you'll help each one of us to be honest with ourselves. I pray that you'll help us to be honest with you. And and that when this is all over, we'll be ready to do something different. Lord, just speak through me. Help me not mess up your words today. I thank you for the opportunity we have to just put ourselves out there and, and be weighed and measured by your word. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Today, we begin week three of Camping Out with Jesus. And we're going to talk about what I like to call bungee jumping, food fights, and the world. We're also going to look at the things that Satan tried to tempt Jesus with right after his baptism. 
But we're going to start back in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Never roast a marshmallow and then eat before you speak. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. I, I preached on this last week. It's Jesus' baptism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, last week I gave you a little spoiler alert, and we peeked into Matthew chapter 4. So as we move into that, um, because I read it last week, it reminded me somewhat of the the cartoon picture that I saw in the New Yorker magazine, and it showed some pigs feeding at a trough. And as the farmer was filling the trough with food, one of the pigs asked the others, have you ever wondered why he's so good to us? (laughs) See, when Satan tempts people, when when he starts leading us along, (coughs) excuse me, he's like that farmer. He's fattening up the pigs for the slaughter. And, And the temptation... It looks appealing at first. It may be even appetizing, but it always drags its victims into misery and bondage and heartbreak and ultimately death. But if we look at Matthew chapter 4, we're going to see Satan try his best to tempt Jesus. And what I want you to do as we go through this is I want you to think about the one thing that you were tempted by. I... Maybe you're like me and there's a whole list, okay? (laughs) Pick one. I don't want to overwhelm you with your temptations today. Just pick one. Pick one thing that you are tempted by, and that's what this rock is all about. And so from this point on in the sermon, you, everybody, must hold your rock. So go ahead and pick up your rock. If you haven't already, pick it up. Put it in one hand, the same hand. You can't put it down. You can't switch hands. The rock stays in whatever hand it's in right now. Okay? Everybody has your rock? And I'm going to try really hard not to switch my rock back and forth, but I'm, so I'll do what I can. Yeah, by the way, if you're listening online, go ahead and pause the sermon. Go outside and get a rock to hold on to because I want you to be able to play along with the rest of us. And um, we'll be right here when you come back if you're listening online. So go get a rock. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, the temptation of Jesus. Here we go. Everybody keep that rock held tight in your hand and focus on your temptation. Just one while we go through this. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter, which is Satan, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him 
and angels came and attended to him. Now, do you see how this works? Satan knows scripture. He, he tries to use it against Jesus. And in case you're wondering, he's going to use it against us too when he has an opportunity. But he tells Jesus things like, jump off this building. The angels will catch you. I want to look at these scriptures that I just read in reverse order. I see, I titled this sermon, Bungee Jumping, Food Fights in the World, because that's kind of how I see this play out in my mind. These are the things that Satan tempts Jesus with. And so we're going to start with verses 8 and 9. And, and this is how it works. We start with the world part of the sermon. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I think that's kind of an oxymoron because here's Satan offering the creator of the world what he already has possession of. Okay, because Jesus was there in the beginning. But Satan says, you just worship me one time, I'll give you all this, all this physical stuff. And, and you know, he, he's trying to tempt the creator of the world with something he already has. Jesus says to him, though, very simply, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the Bible tells us what happened next was the devil left him and that angels came and attended to Jesus. Like I said, Satan knows scripture. Satan knows our weaknesses. He knows the things that tempt you and me. And Jesus teaches us how to beat him. What was Jesus' response to Satan? Go ahead, holler it out. What did he say? Get behind me. Get away. He said, get away from me. Jesus knows something that we all need to know. And he put it into practice. He didn't say this is a good idea. He didn't say, by the way, if you're reading this 2,000 years later, if Satan tempts you, say this. He did it. He said, get away from me, Satan. You know, it's, it's hard to pick forbidden fruit if you're 100 yards away from the tree. But it's easy if you're at arm's length. He says to Satan, get away from me. I don't even want you near me. I don't want you at arm's length. I want you far away from me, Satan. All too often, we seem to say to Satan, come just a little bit closer. It's like we forget that our heads are made of marshmallows. We forget what happens when we get too close to that fire. And we get close enough to Satan where we just think we're going to test something out. And then all of a sudden, we're kind of like, do you smell something burning? It's our marshmallow head. It's it's starting to melt like butter. It's starting to swell up. It's starting to be all gooey. We, we forget what we're made of. We forget we're, we're vulnerable. And then we realize sometimes when it's too late that we've gotten too close to our temptation and now we're stuck in it. That's another symbolism of the marshmallow. It's all gooey and it's stuck. Now you're stuck to it. And then, and then when we really get caught up in our temptation, we start to smell. We start to smell like our temptation. We start to look like it. We start to resemble it. Have you ever been tempted like that? Remember, you're still holding your temptation rock in case you forgot what you're supposed to be thinking about. Man, we get tempted. Jesus gave us the first answer. Tell Satan to get away. Sometimes we just allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by a temptation. And and I've had people call me, I'm so caught up, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just tell, just get away. Satan, leave me alone. We must constantly remind ourselves that we should worship the Lord our God and serve him only. 
Because really what happens with us is we allow our temptations to get the best of us. And when we allow our temptations to get the best of us, they become sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And the whole thing comes about because at some point we stop worshiping God and we start worshiping self. Nobody likes to hear that. Most people don't like to say it. But if you don't believe me, you you can look in James in chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Uh, James talks about this. He says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. (coughs) But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived. Don't let this temptation grow into full-on sin and give birth to that and become death. You know, it's like Superman. He, he weakens when he gets near the kryptonite. We get weak when we get nearer to temptation. We need to get away from temptation. We need to get away from Satan. We need to tell Satan to get away from us. The only way we can do that is by worshiping God. And I don't mean just singing praise ye to the lord hallelujah i mean worshiping him in his word worshiping him in prayer when you're at home and when you're by yourself the easiest way to, to not fall prey to temptation is to just stay away i don't know what your temptation is but i know this if we're really honest with ourselves we're tempting ourselves satan may play a part in in opportunity uh, he may even act as an encourager and, and convincing us things, you know, like he did Eve. Surely you will not die. Just go ahead and have a bite. Just this once. No one has to know. Or, you know what? It was just a little mistake. There's no need to tell your accountability, apart, a, accountability partner about this. You won't do it again. Just, just move on. Brush it under the rug, so to speak. We can't do that. We need to tell Satan to get away. I like what Beth Moore shares in her study on the book of James, referring to the verses that I just read. She says this. She says, we stand to learn something today that could help us pinpoint the exact spot where things keep going awry. Some of us, we keep trying to protect ourselves from the devil, and we should, only we, we find ourselves back in the ditch. And we realize that something's not working. But who knows what? No one in existence has more to gain from our selective hearing than the devil. That's something you need to understand. Don't think for a second that Satan is incapable of being nice to you. If you want to stay in bondage to self-deception, Satan will be your best friend. He will lead you and keep you there as long as you allow it. It's, I think it's time for us to rethink the nature of our friendship with Satan. It's it's time for us to say to Satan and mean it away from me. Thing is this. Temptation in and of itself is not sin. Okay? Acting on temptation. That's what creates sin. And, And the chances are we bring it on ourselves. I want to look at verses five through seven. Again, we're going in reverse order. So we talked about the world. Satan offered him the world. Now we're going to step up one. Then the devil took him to the holy city 
and said to him, excuse me, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Bungee jumping. (coughs) Go ahead. Jump off of a secure platform or bridge with nothing but a giant rubber band tied to your foot. Have at it. I've watched those videos and I've done some crazy stuff. I don't think I would bungee jump because there's only one margin of error. And my luck, I'd get that bungee that was about two inches too long. And (laughs) you guys are engineers. You figure it out. (laughs) Jesus answered him right there. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, it's funny. If we took a survey right now, I would say probably about 80% of the people in this room would not go bungee jumping right now. If we, if we had it all set up, who wants to go bungee jumping? There'll be a few, all right? But about 80% of us would be like, no, I'm good. I don't want to go bungee jumping. But every one of us somehow will put God to a foolish test this week before the end of the week. I know we will. If we're honest, if we look at last week, we did it last week. Again, when we are tempted, it's usually because we've put God to the test. And when we foolishly test God is when we make those, those prayer deals with him. I know you've done it. We do stuff like this. We've all prayed these prayers at some point. Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll be in church every Sunday. Yes. You, you help me through this insert catastrophe here. I will go to Zimbabwe and feed the children. You laugh, but we do it. We test God like this all the time. Lord, if you're real, dot, dot, dot. If you're really there, let's, the movie prayer. Every, like, movie, there's always some kid or some person. Oh, Lord, if you're really there, dot, dot, dot. Test. Make this go away, dot, dot, dot. Give me this blessing and I will, dot, dot, dot. If it wouldn't be too much trouble, Lord, could you? No, stop. We have to stop testing God foolishly. Every time we do this kind of stuff, we're, sitting, we're setting up groundwork that will end up with us giving in to temptation. Treating God this way is like the foolish builder in the sandcastle sermon a few weeks ago. We're creating a weak foundation. Do you understand that? When we treat God that way, we're just creating a weak foundation in our faith. Because you can't pull one over on God. He knows what this rock means to you. He knows whatever the temptation is that you're thinking about right now. He knows what it is, and you're not going to trick him out of it. He already knows. That's why we should submit to his will. Seek his guidance. Accept his love and grace and forgiveness. He's not some back alley pawnbroker to be tested or make deals with. But that's what we do so much. We're all guilty of it at some point. This is the creator of the universe we're talking about. The only person we should worship. The only person we should serve. And definitely not test. We're going to look at this last one, which is actually the first one. But you know what I mean. Verse 4. This is probably my favorite one. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 
the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the food fight part. See what I did there? Turn the stones into bread and you'll figure it out. These verses, all of them, but especially these last few, they're the verses who are for those of you who are fasting right now. And I know some of you are uh, because I've had some phone calls and some questions um, about fasting. And, and, and I've asked, some of you have called and said, hey, will you just pray for me? I'm going to fast um, and, and pray for me while I'm fasting. And, and I'm glad you're doing it because amazing God just moves when, we're, when we do this kind of stuff. But I, w- I want you to know, those of you who are doing this, while you're fasting, my prayer has been that you would draw closer to God that you would worship him only, and that you would not put him to the test during this fast. A fast is not a time for us to put God to the test. Okay, it's a time for us to seek out what he would have us do in our lives. It's a time for us to seek out what will honor him most in the things that we do. Um, and so, and my prayer is also that you would build a foundation on him during this time of fasting. And I'm praying that you will know, most of all, what, that we do not live on bread alone. Don't let your lack of food create a lack of focus in what you're doing this week or this month, those of you who are are fasting. But instead, feed yourself on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Be in His Word while you're fasting. That rock of temptation that you're holding on to will soon need to be cast aside. The danger in fasting is that the very thing we're giving up has an opportunity to become a temptation. But what I want you all to remember is that whether you're fasting or not, each one of us is tempted daily. As like Beth Moore said, temptation is one of the great equalizers in our world. No one escapes temptation. We are all tempted, but we are not all tempted by the same things. Temptation is an each person kind of thing, and the bait fits the fish. I'm not going to be tempted by the things that you're tempted by. You're not going to be tempted by the things that I'm tempted by. And Satan knows that. And so the bait fits the fish. And Satan is a good fisherman because he's the father of lies and he he baits that hook so nice and shiny. I want you to look at your rock in your hand. I want you to think about the temptation it resembles for you right now. I want you to understand this temptation... It is not from God. It is never from God. You see, we believe that God is holy and righteous and and we believe that he's incapable of doing wrong and he's absent of darkness and we sing songs about him and we write poems about how great he is. And yet the temptation to blame God for our temptations is as ripe as the fruit on the forbidden tree. And it's something we do. We are baited by our own desires, our own actions, But then we think, well, these actions, they they may not have been my plan or maybe not even in our conscious mind, but they undoubtedly have sprung up from somewhere in our messed up hearts. Because temptation is not from God. And like James says, when we're tempted, it's because we're bringing it on ourselves. Ken Crockett in his book, The 9-11 Handbook, shares an illustration about temptation. It's called... 
get out of the corral. Some of you may have heard this. It goes like this. A couple of boys tried to walk through a corral when a bull saw them and began to charge. One of the boys said, let's stop and pray. The other boy said, no, let's run and pray. (laughs) The thing is, they didn't need to resist the bull inside of the corral. They needed to run out of the area where they were most vulnerable. Okay? They shouldn't have gone in in the first place, but they needed to run out of that area where they were the most vulnerable. And that's what we need to do. When we are being tempted, we need to flee from the temptation. When, when we're allowing Satan to tempt us, we need to flee. We need to move away. We need to shout out, get behind me. Get away from me. Sometimes we can't do it on our own. You have to make a phone call. I'm being tempted. Call somebody. Say, hey, start praying because Satan is just tempting me right now. Or I'm allowing Satan to tempt me. As we close out today, we all have a choice to make. We can hold on to these rocks that I gave you this morning. And we can allow them to weigh us down. Think about what it would be like if you had to go through every day for the rest of your life just holding this one rock in this one hand. Not being able to put it down while you're cooking, while you're cleaning, while you're bathing, while you're swimming, while you're driving. That means some of you couldn't text and drive because you'd be... Sorry. (laughs) That was for you teenagers in the back. Um, If you had to spend every day with this rock in your hand, that little bit of temptation, eventually it's going to weigh you down and get the best of you. We can hold on to these rocks and we can allow them to weigh us down or we can trade in our rocks for the bread of life. Today I want to offer you an opportunity. This This is for all of us. I want to offer you an opportunity to symbolically turn your rocks, turn your stone of sin into the bread of life. We've got a little, little take home for you today. And um, real simply, it's, it's bread. It's a little magnet, so you can put it on your refrigerator. And it has the verse, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. What I want to see happen today is I want all of us to make a commitment to start putting these rocks of temptation down. I want you to come up as we're, as we're singing, as we have our decision time. Simply drop your rock in the bucket. Pick up a reminder about the bread of life. Don't eat it. It's been treated. It's not good. But it's just something that you can take with you that will remind you um, of, of who we are and, and hopefully encourage you as you become tempted. If you need it at work, if you need it at home, but the thing is, we all have a decision to make. And, and listen, uh, don't misunderstand me. At this time, if you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and, and start life fresh with baptism for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, come. If you need prayer for something, the elders are here. I'm here. We'll pray with you. Come. If you, if you want to partner with us as we carry out the message of Jesus to our world and our community, come. Today is just a great day to start over. School starts tomorrow for most of us. Summer is coming to an end. And I hope that just after 20 minutes, you're already tired of holding on to your rocks of temptation. As we sing, bring your rocks forward. Lay them down. Exchange them for the bread that we offer you. And as you do that, pray that when you release your rock, that you release your hold on that temptation. 
Don't just go through the motions here. Let this be an action of your heart as well as just dropping the rock in the bucket. Because Christ was able to resist Satan and he showed us how to do it. The question is, are you up for the fight? Because Satan won't give up easy. Christ fasted for 40 days. He was hungry. I'm sure physically he was weak. The Bible says, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible says the angels tended to him when it was all over. But he showed us what we can do. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being Satan's court gesture. I want to dance before the king. I want to sing holy, holy, holy forever. And it starts here today by giving up our temptations one at a time and letting go of one rock and making a commitment to feed on God's word. We go ahead and stand and sing with us. And as you sing, think about that rock and think about your temptation. And I hope you'll just walk up and drop it in the bucket and let God start working in your life. You sing with us? <laughs>